Welcome to Routing for Success, the show where we interview today's top logistics professionals, giving them a platform to share their stories and best practices. Today, we are talking with Darius Peoples. Darius is a line haul contractor with FedEx Ground, but he also runs an over-the-road trucking company under his own authority and a garbage disposal business. The timing couldn't be more appropriate to talk about some of the differences and trade-offs between running trucks inside or outside of the FedEx Ground network, since the trucking industry is in the midst of one of the worst downturns in recent memory. From a Bloomberg article published four days ago on May 19th, for truck drivers and larger carriers, the current business environment may be headed to a worse place than the one reached during the depths of the great financial crisis. Per mile rates have been plunging since the COVID-era goods boom brought a surge of new supply onto the market. Combine that with higher maintenance prices and an increased cost of capital and other difficulties in operating, and the result is a brutal mix for a notoriously cyclical industry, one that has the potential to be worse than the famous trucking downturns experienced in 2019 and in 2009. Okay, many line haul contractors within FedEx Ground ask whether it makes sense to get their own authority to run trucks outside of FedEx. Despite what Bloomberg says, it's not all bad all the time, and there are some significant advantages to being able to seek work outside of the FXG network. Just like anything, there are trade-offs. Here to tell us more about the differences between the two models, I give you Darius Peoples. All right, we are here with Darius Peoples. He is president of DXP Group, DPT Logistics, and also has a garbage disposal company in South Jersey called Daisy Disposal. Darius, thanks for being here with us. Hey, how you doing, man? Thanks for having me. We had previously spoken with your business partner, Rick Dunn. Actually, we've had, by the time that this episode comes out, we'll have released two separate episodes with Rick. And uh, in each of those, he mentioned his business partner, his 50-50 partner, Darius. And so I told him, hey, man, we've heard your side of the story, Rick. We need to talk to Darius also. Um, But I really appreciate you coming on. And you're involved in the line haul FedEx business. And you have your own authority to do trucking outside of FedEx. And that's a topic that I think a lot of people tuning in are going to be very curious to hear about, to compare and contrast the two. So thanks again for coming on. Before we get into all of that, tell us a little bit about yourself. What was your what was your professional background before you had ever even heard of FedEx and trucking? You know, my, my first adult job, honestly, was in um, I was in the military. I was in the United States Air Force, uh, active duty. I was a uh, security forces guy, so the MP. We did some really cool stuff. I had some fun in my youth. So I'm a veteran of, of Iraq and Afghanistan. I left the military and I immediately went to federal law enforcement. That's where I met Rick. I was an air marshal there for another 10 years. And at some point during that time, we just stumbled into trucking. Well, thank you for your service, first of all. So when I, in talking with Rick, uh, I think that he had mentioned that you acquired your first FedEx run in 2014. First of all, how did you even hear about FedEx? It's kind of a strange little corner of the logistics world, FedEx contracting. How did you hear about it? Well, we have a, me and Rick have a mutual buddy uh, who's an air marshal as well. He just told me, he said, hey, I'm going to sell all my real estate. I'm going to cash out my retirement. I'm going to buy FedEx runs. And I said, you can't buy FedEx runs, which is what everybody says. And uh, we talked about it for about 20, 30 minutes. And he said, I'm doing it. So I said, no, I want in too. And then me and Rick were in an operation at the airport in a blacked out suburban. And we were just bored. And I said, hey, Rick. I'm buying FedEx runs. This is for the birds. And at this point, I'm the expert. And uh, he said, you can't buy FedEx runs. And I said, oh, 
yes, you can, man. You know, so to wrap it up and make a long story short, the other guy didn't follow through. Um, Rick had a roommate or something who knew a manager who knew another manager. And uh, Rick came into work two days later and he said, we're getting some runs for free. I said, they're not free. They're millions of bucks. And lo and behold, we got two unassigned runs in Woodbridge randomly. Two run, two runs. I didn't believe it. And I went up and met the guy myself, the uh, regional manager. And he said, yeah, I'll give you guys two runs. You know, two cops, veterans. We like your story. Hey, you can get two runs. This is before all the, the this whole lean, uh, all these meetings and we used to get the runs out on paper. So I could see how this was able to get done. So you were awarded the runs. You almost didn't believe it, but it was legit. What were the next steps? You, you had to go find, figure out how, what trucks to buy and where to buy them from and how to hire drivers and how much to pay them. Cause you didn't have any background in this stuff at that time, right? No, no. Um, my father, he's a uh, truck driver. He works for a big construction company in New York City, and he was driving roll-off trucks and, and highway trucks. So I had a little bit of the, the knowledge and vernacular, if you will. I'm pretty hands-on, pretty handy, so I could pick up the stuff pretty quick. So I said, hey, Dad, we got these runs for free. What do I do? He said, well, how are you going to run the runs? We need trucks, right? <laughs> so Rick was like, where are we getting trucks from? I was like, I don't know. And then... You know, I just drove past like a, a busted up rider used truck lot and I saw these three Columbias, Freightliner Columbias. I called my dad. I said, Dad, should I buy these with an Eaton Fuller and a Detroit Series 60? And he said, yeah, those are good trucks. Buy them. You know, they're good starter trucks. They're going to be the F-150s of, of trucking. You know, get the job done. We got some crappy loans. I still remember to this day, 85000 bucks for three uh, Freightliner day cabs. We didn't know how to finance them. So we got some crappy financing decent trucks. And so from June to probably November, it took us to put all this stuff together. So so what Rick can put together in two weeks, we strung it together in four or five months because we were learning how, how we, as we went along. I mean, as you know, there's a whole C number, V number, workers comp, uh, payroll accounts, you know, banking. There's, we didn't know anything. There was no consultants. There was no me and Rick never owned a business with employees, you know, so we didn't know how to set up payroll accounts and things like that. And we just did it. And just to clarify, $85,000 for three day cabs, was that $85,000 total for the three or was it 85000 a piece? This is 2014, not 2023. So this is when you could <laughs> buy a truck with a credit card, you know. None of this nonsense now where trucks are, you know, three times what they should be worth or two, definitely double. These trucks are going for double what they should Okay, so you got your first trucks. What about hiring drivers? How did you learn that process? So I'm 42 now. I was 32 when we started this. So me and Rick were just two 31 and 32-year-old guys, different from the, the folks that were in the terminal. And we would just go up there, man. We'd just go to the terminal and talk to people and think people like this. And we just ask questions, you know, like, hey. You know, so we found out one of the admins who does the processing, and she was really cool. We just said, hey, how are the rest of the contractors, how are they getting drivers? And she was like, just put an ad on Indeed. Don't worry about it. So Indeed became our friend. So you were working full-time as an air marshal during your entry into FedEx. You had told a story a few moments ago about how you and Rick were spending a lot of time just sitting in a blacked-out suburban at an airport. When I think of an air marshal, uh, and again, I don't have any background you know, in law enforcement or military. So when I think of an air marshal, I think of someone in plain clothes, on an airplane that looks in, indistinguishable from everyone else. And they're there just to provide security 
but it sounds like there's other aspects to it also that you were spending a little bit more time close to where you live. Is that right? Well, yes, we hatched this idea while we were on ground-based missions. If there was a, a tactical team, if you will, this would have been the closest team to it in the agency. We weren't like SEAL Team 6 or anything like that, but you, you got to wear the gear, you know? So uh, you got to look cool. But like you said, if you're on an airplane and you're playing clothes, that was 90% of the job. Um, so they would have these ground-based details uh, wherever the field offices were at, and they would focus on transportation hubs called Viper Teams. So me and Rick were on the Viper teams, and we would go around New York City to, to different sites, uh, the airports being one of them, just providing a, a visual deterrent to our terror. So how much time were you spending away? And, and I guess the, the reason I'm asking this is because, you know, starting out something completely brand new in an area that you didn't really have any experience in, which is trucking, that is difficult in of itself. But to have to do that when you're not even there a lot of the time, that sound, sounds extremely difficult. So like how much, did you have time to spare where you could just go to the FedEx terminal and try to meet people and pick their brain and learn about the industry? And, and how did you square that against your time commitments to your full-time job as an air marshal? So for me, you know, being an air marshal was my dream job, right? You know, I always knew I was in Pakistan in 2001 and they came up with the air marshals and I said just out loud, as soon as I get out of the military, I'm going to be an air marshal. Ten years later, I became an air marshal, right? I lived in South Jersey, and I would commute to Queens, New York, about a two-hour commute to go to the airport or to the office, and I would drive right past uh, the terminal. So I would try to squeeze in whatever I need to do during my commute, if I could. So commute there, commute back. Now, there's some, I mean, there's some stuff, there's some stories we're going to tell later, probably when we write our own book where we have a three-hour podcast where we really got into the terminals and stuff like that and, and, uh, and really got the information we needed, for sure. Could you tell us one of those stories? What's an example of a time where you really got into the terminal and cleaned something valuable? Well, I'll tell you, I mean, when we came up in this, it was the Wild Wild West. You know, you go here now, they're like prisons, you know, and security is like uh, TSA screening. When we started, that stuff had just started. I mean, so there was no fences, no, no nothing, and you just would walk right in there, you know, for most of the facilities. So Woodbridge, for one, um, we knew the terminal was there. We knew we were getting started, and we would just go up, say, yeah, yeah we're here for so-and-so. They'd say, go ahead. we just walk right in, you know, and if all else fails, maybe, just maybe we'd say, hey, we're cops, and we're here to see so-and-so. <laughs> you know, so. Let's fast forward to today, just to give a little bit of context as to how far you've come in the past 10 years or so. Tell us about your business today. How many trucks do you have running with FedEx? Uh, and if you could tell us how many of those are assigned versus unassigned. And then you also have your own authority. So you run trucks outside of FedEx as well. I'd like to talk about that. Just tell us a little bit about your business today. Yeah, today it's it's, um, it's actually very, uh, I don't want to say fragmented, but segregated. DXP group it started as an offshoot of Done People's Trucking. But that became our FedEx arm. At one point, we probably had like 35 FedEx runs or something like that. I think by the time we, we really got rid of some of the, the junk, you know, and the stuff that was just not performing, we probably had around 12 or 15. And I think today we're probably around a dozen or so runs. They're all dedicated. And then what about DPT, DPT Logistics? Is that the company that you use for running outside of FedEx? 
Yep, yep. So again, that was their our original company. That's the one that made all the mistakes. It carries a burden of that. It's like, uh, let's just say Dunn People's Trucking was crucified, all right? So, and everything underneath it is a, was their sins have been forgiven because Dunn People's Trucking has it all, all right? So at one time when we had the 35 FedEx runs and we started, you know, focusing and drilling down on what was productive, those trucks kind of moved over to Dunn People's Trucking and we had about 30-something 35, almost 40 trucks over there. So at the height between both the companies, we probably had probably had 50, almost 60 trucks. And on the garbage side, we have six very specific roll-off trucks and uh, three front-end trucks. So Darius, you and Rick are 50-50 partners in the business. I've heard horror stories of people trying to work with business partners, and it just falls apart. It's almost like a marriage in some ways. Now, obviously, the two of you knew each other very well because you worked closely together, it sounds like, as air marshals. Tell us a little bit about the kind of segregation of duties between the two of you. What are the things in the business that Rick tends to focus on versus what are the things that you tend to focus on? Luckily for us, early on, we kind of figured out who was strong and what. We, we didn't come into this and say, hey, you're going to do X. I'm going to do why. We came into it and said, we're going to do everything together. Everybody has strengths and weaknesses. Some things I just cannot do. I just don't like doing them. My brain doesn't work that way and and, and vice versa. You know, I mean, I'll give you an example. We had to fire a guy on Christmas Eve. I couldn't do it. Rick was like, I'll do it. <laughs> you know? And I said, okay, I'll come with you in case he gets crazy. And Rick just said, hey, this isn't working out. I'm going to need your keys. You're not driving tonight. You know, and that was that. And I was like, damn, that was pretty easy. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, we knew early on who does what. Rick kind of focuses a, focuses a lot on the sales, of course, a lot of the admin as it relates to FedEx. He used to do the payroll when we first started. We kind of handed that stuff off a while ago. Um, you know, and I kind of moved and gravitated towards the trucks, the people for two reasons. A, I was handy and I had a pretty good understanding of it. Um, and B, I would be near the yard a lot more. So I'd be down at the FedEx yard two, three times a week because I drove past it every day. Um, I'd be in the terminal dealing with the people because I drove past it every day. When Rick started to really get into the FedEx space, that was his go-to. I didn't have to deal with the manager. I didn't have to deal with MMRs or uh, missing miles and stuff like that. He was, he was really good about getting into that part of the business really quickly. So let's talk about some of the lessons that you've learned along the way, coming from a place where you didn't know, you didn't know the fundamentals of the business, figuring it out step by step. Uh, I'm sure that you probably made some mistakes and that you probably had to learn some lessons the the hard way. What are a few lessons that have really stuck with you uh, along your road to success over the past 10 years? I hate to say it, like someone asked me the other day, you guys, I got invited to another podcast and say, you should tell your story. And I tell people, the story's not over, you know? And so when I hear road to success, you know, it's hard to even think that, you know, we're successful because we're still in it. We're still fighting every day. Business is, all business is hard, right? Trucking is incredibly difficult. Uh, FedEx, for as easy as, you know, Rick and Line Hall Solutions and FedEx makes it, it's still a difficult business, you know? So there's a lot of moving pieces. Um, less in FedEx than they are in OTR, but, you know, just we're still dealing with mistakes today. 
So with that being said, we grew too fast. We took on a bunch of stuff. We had a lot of overhead. You know, we were operating in four, five, six different, you know, terminals, three in Pennsylvania, one in, two in Jersey, one in Carolina, excuse me, Virginia, one in Maryland, Mississippi, Florida, and Ohio. And that was spread out like 35-something trucks. We had, we were forced to put leasing tractors down there because we didn't have mechanics, you know? So you got full service lease on an unassigned run and the guy's not coming to work because he has no supervision. It's kind of easy to see how that run could be, you know, not productive. So that was probably our biggest, I wouldn't say mistake because we learned a lot from it, but it's growing too fast, trying to do too much. I mean, you're talking about two 32, at this time, 32, 33-year-old guys who have a little bit of success. You're like, hey, you want more runs? Like, hell yeah, we want more runs. So in episode number eight of this podcast, I spoke with a guy named David Delgado, and he described his attitude of growing in the line haul business of basically uh, he will take any opportunity that FedEx would throw at him. He would show up if the manager was saying, this contractor just dropped the ball. We don't have anyone to drive this run tonight. Is there anyone who can take this run? He was always there to put his hand up, even if he had to drive the run personally. And he would always take them. Unassigned, assigned, didn't matter. He would always take them on. But it sounded like he had a very conscious strategy of doing that in a few specific terminals you know, that were at least within maybe a couple hours drive from where he was, which allowed him to build a team, establish a culture and manage things a little bit more closely. Whereas you and Rick, from, from what I can gather from what you just talked about, you had a similar attitude, give it to us. We'll take anything you got. Let's grow this thing. But maybe the, the mistake, well, you don't want to call it a mistake. And I think that's probably right not to call it a mistake, but the lesson that you learned is that it's very difficult to manage an organization that's just very spread thin, right? It's much better to have five trucks running out of one station than five trucks running out of five separate stations. And you were kind of headed in in that sort of direction. It's a hundred percent accurate. And to be fair, even so we we sold those runs. We made money on those runs. We made more money selling them than we did operate. Let's just be clear there, right? But we did take that money and fuel other runs. I, I can't think of one time really that we that we didn't sell a run and it automatic it automatically coincided with buying another or another business. Um, you know, I think we probably went from unassigned to dedicated through uh, award through the terminal, you know, for one or two runs and then when we really got our juicy dedicated runs, we got them to a purchase. And it was a it was a slamming deal for us. It was a great deal. Delgado, uh, how he did it is probably similar to ours but focusing on a certain region. Look, back then, like I said, that was the wild, wild west. You know, you could go up to a terminal manager and buy them pizzas and you might get, you know, a dedicated run for three months. You know, I don't think that's happening anymore because they're sending people to jail for that shit. But um, there's probably a few people that should go to jail that I know, that I know for sure that, that, you know, were doing things they weren't supposed to do or just were doing things outside of the agreement. Darius, what are some other lessons that you've learned along your path? Pay people every Friday, you know, um, trucks break, old, new, expensive, cheap. They're going to break. Unfortunately, accidents happen. There's no such thing as a small accident. Um, There's no small boo-boos. I mean, someone takes a bumper off in the yard. Okay, that's a small boo-boo. But you're on the road, you're going 20 miles an hour and you hit someone. 
it's going to be bad. Someone's going to get hurt. The truck's going to be tore up. You know, I've seen some of the worst damage done at low speed. Drivers parked, sleeping in a truck stop, and another trailer backs into the hood, rips the whole hood off. You know, hood's $4,000. You know, a light's $1,000. Gets a tow truck, have to get a bumper. That's $20,000, $30,000 right there, plus the labor. You know, so um, me and Rick experienced a fatality under our authority. It wasn't pleasant. It took a year to wrap up. Thank God that we did everything right administratively. Our paperwork and our records were in order and, and we survived it. One of the things I'd like to talk about, Darius, is the fact that you are a FedEx contractor, but then you also have your own authority and you run trucks outside of FedEx. Most of the people who tune in and listen to this podcast are current FedEx contractors. And I see questions on various online forums frequently asking, should I get my own authority? If I want to run outside of FedEx, do I need to get my own authority? Do I need to get my own insurance? Can I use the same company name? So why don't you tell us a little bit about, first of all, what made you want to get your own authority and start running outside of FedEx? It sounded like you got started in FedEx, you experienced some level of success, but at some point you decided to also branch out. What led to, to that decision? We, just want, we wanted more. Um, like I said, we were 30-something-year-old guys looking at the settlement, you know, fighting for unassigned miles during peak season. We started in November, fought for miles during peak season, and it was frustrating. Like, you know, drivers sitting there at the dispatch window, one o'clock in the morning, and said, hey, I'm going home because there's no work. Guys getting 200 miles and the truck breaking. We said, look, you know, there's going to be ways to make more money. We own these trucks. Let's figure it out. I was telling my dad about it. He said, hey, just go get your own authority and DOT number and run the trucks. So then we found out how to get, uh, walked into some rental place, gave him our story. They gave us a rental truck. Rick found someone to rent us a trailer. We took one of our first FedEx drivers and put him and another guy going to California and Texas with the load. Then we made, let's say, Couple, couple bucks, couple good gross numbers, just gross. And we said, that's it. We're going to get more trucks over the road. And um, we did. We went and got four more trucks and five more trucks. And so we had three trucks running in FedEx, four or five running outside, outside of it. Big, gaudy, brand new trucks, you know, lease tractors, rental trucks, 10, 12 cents a mile, 2,700 base. Just insane, right? And... Um, the market crash, similar to what's happening now. Rick called a FedEx terminal manager. Again, this is the wild, wild west. He said, hey, we got these trucks. We don't have work for them. Can you use them? He said, sure. Bring them in. I put them right to work. He took four of those trucks, four of those drivers, processed them in FedEx, put the FedEx decals, tractor files in there. Boom. Now we got seven, eight runs running FedEx. And then that's when I said the our next milestone was when we bought a business from a guy who was losing it. Great deal, great runs. It was probably a landmark sale for us, a purchase for us in our business. And I think after that, we were probably off to off and running. And shortly after that, they came up with the growth opportunities, the online growth opportunities, and that's how we started uh, really getting up there. So for someone who's listening to this and thinking about, should I get my own authority and run outside of FedEx? What are some things that they should be thinking about? And can you compare and contrast the two? 
So look, I mean, I would tell you the natural thing is you want to go back and forth. It makes sense. You should be able to. Um, and there's a saying like, hey, it's simple, but it's not easy. You should be able to take your truck that you own and go run an Amazon or FedEx whenever you feel like it, right? But FedEx is smart and they have to move their packages. So they have availability levels and uh, dedicated and assigned. So if you're out for three days going to California, to Wichita, Kansas, and your number comes up on an assigned board, you can't get back fast enough. You know, there's some of the things that I would tell people is think about, you know, some of the liability that one company or one side of the business is going to impact the other. So now you have tolls on one company, you have fuel on one side, you have liability insurance, physical damage insurance that may or may not be covered depending on where those those trucks are running. You have workers' comp. You know, some people I found out have workers' comp in one or two states. Um, but if a guy gets falls on the truck in Utah, what are you going to do? Tell me you're not covered? So there's a lot of stuff like that you have to figure out. And it's the, the biggest one is probably the invoicing. Again, simple but not easy. Hey, I carry this load, $100,000 of strawberries. You know you took it. You know you received it. But I can't get paid? Oh, well, you didn't have a signature on this piece of paper. But you got the strawberries. You know? You know you got the fruit. It's in your dock. I'm not paying you until you get to, to get the paperwork right. But I burned fuel, I burned payroll, I paid insurance, I paid truck payments. You got your strawberries, but I don't get paid. That is probably the single most frustrating thing in the entire trucking industry for me. And I think FedEx does a really good job of solving that. Again, what Rick has built and the education that he gives people, it sounds like a plug for Rick, but it is. I mean, we the mistakes that we made and the, and the negatives that the hits that we took, they, they were simple. They were dumb. They were stuff we should have caught, but we didn't know. We would never make those mistakes again. So what Rick does now is he tells the, the, the new or prospective concept, uh, contractor how not to make those mistakes. So, you know, OTR versus FedEx, you know, FedEx is a good thing when they're strong and they're giving out miles. Um, but everything's cyclical. Yeah. So, so the billing and getting paid, I feel like that's a big one. So if you are a contractor with FedEx, you can expect to get that money every Friday. You know it's coming every Friday. And that gives you, I mean, first of all, it just gives you a lot of consistency. It allows you to pay your people every Friday. And you know that you're, uh, you know, you're likely to have enough money to actually make that happen because you know the money's coming in. You also don't have to put any energy or manpower into collections. And, you know, for running outside of FedEx in the trucking industry, that is a whole piece of the business, which you have to put a lot of energy into is just because you finish the work, that doesn't mean the, the money's automatically showing up in your account on Friday. You have to chase people a lot of times, it sounds like, to actually get paid. In fact, there is an entire financing industry. There are companies, finance companies, where all they do is call trucking companies and say, okay, how much money is owed to you right now? Well, I'll give you 50% of that today. And then I get to try to collect on the full balance. Yeah, give, give me a good one. Give me a good one. I got some money I want to collect. So, <laughs> I mean, because at some point you're just like, I'm not getting it. You're not going to pay me. You're making me jump through hoops. You know, AR is down right now, but it, it, it can be high. Sometimes we would have 150K of AR out there, you know, $50,000 of AR. You know, um, we do a lot better job now uh, and get a lot proactive at it. 
of, of excuse me, a lot more proactive. And what I tell people is, it's never the small loans. It's never the nine hundred dollar loan that a guy loses the piece of paperwork. It's always that seventy five hundred dollar loan. It's always, you know, a nine k loan. You know, has ten pieces of paper. You know, driver gives you nine. They don't want to pay you because you don't have the tenth piece. So you have to get your own authority. There's some pretty substantial insurance considerations that you need to take into account. Billing, collections, accounts receivable, those are other factors to consider if you're going to be running outside of FedEx as a trucker. Is there anything else, anything else that is different about running outside of FedEx? I mean, for us, it's easy. You know, you can get a driver in quicker. Um, you can qualify them quicker. It's your qualifications or your insurance carrier's qualifications. Um, you can kind of control that a little more. You know, there's no drivers holding people hostage at the run. Like, hey, you want me to show up? I need another $50. You know, I mean, that was a thing. I mean, drivers was bounced from company to company in FedEx. Like it was, you know, you change your socks. You know, um, we had a guy crash a truck for another contractor, hide it between two trailers, come to run with us the next night. And the manager was like, hey, this dude just crashed a truck. He can't work here. And I'm like, well, he shows active and available. Well, I'm telling you, we won't dispatch him. Okay, got it. You know, so yeah, that type of stuff is probably the biggest one. I think it's, a, it's slightly easier to qualify to qualify a, a driver on the other side of the house, but you have no shortage of people who want to be dedicated, basically Monday through Friday, and be home every night. So, what about the difference of FedEx being drop and hook? versus all of the other ways that you can go pick up freight. Is there, uh, is there more downtime for the driver where they're just sitting, not getting work in one or the other way of doing business? Everybody wants to do drop and hook when it works. But, you know, if you get to, to get to your drop and there's nowhere, no trailer available, what are you doing? You're sitting there anyway. Well, it's not ready. You have to wait for empties. Um, it's, a, it's still the same thing, whether you wait an hour or three hours, you're still waiting. What about variance in revenue? Is there one model, FedEx versus everything else, is there one model that is more consistent with revenue? Is there one model that you feel like has higher earning potential, but you know, maybe higher variance? You know? it's, it's FedEx by far. FedEx is, if you run the runs, you get paid. If you don't run them, you know you're not getting paid. Every day we wake up on the other side of the house and we wonder, is someone going to get empty? Is someone going to get reloaded? You know, because those all impact, will they be able to have a run? Like today's Friday, right? If someone doesn't get empty today, they may sit there till Monday because they're, they're not able to pick up another load. A lot of stuff like that is, is the biggest determination for me and why FedEx is, is better most times, yes. And then something even more fundamental, which probably should have been my first question, how do you get work? If you, you go get your own authority, you get a truck, how, where, do, where do you start? Do you just call companies that you know halt, need things hauled and, and form relationships or are there brokers you work with or how do you start that process? Some people do that, but I mean, as, as brokers, we got lucky. We had a, um, a local contract out of South Jersey delivering uh, fruit and produce direct to customers um, throughout Pennsylvania, Delaware, Maryland, New Jersey and Mass. Um, so we did that for a while and then we just believed like, Hey, there's, there's gotta be a way to make more money. Let's make calls. But I think trucking is like stocks, right? It's an opaque industry. It's not very transparent. 
I mean, think about it. There's brokers for a reason. You have no idea what they're getting paid. I think if you want work, yeah, sure, go to a broker, go to low boards, go to Amazon, go to Selectus, whatever is out there, uh, go to DAT, go to truck, internet truck stop. And you can get a good idea of what loads are paying today, but there's no guarantee they'll be there tomorrow. It could be up, it could be down. And right now, everything just happens to be down. And the weirdest thing about it is there's no shortage of volume. Our phone doesn't ring any less. It doesn't ring any, it didn't ring any more when it was COVID. It is paid more. So it was like clockwork. Every three months, can I get a raise? You know, every three months, guy going to another carrier. You know, once we got our truck situation sorted out, our maintenance, instead start having less breakdowns and stop negotiating on pay and just constantly hired, we had a lot better time on turnover improved. You know, we weren't turn, you know, guys weren't quitting as much. Once we started assigning trucks, Breakdowns started happening last once we started assigning trucks. And we carried that over to both sides of our business. You know, don't negotiate, pay, you know, the runs pay what they pay. And within reason, you have a good guy, is great, or 25 bucks, sure. I mean, but you would get guys coming in saying, well, this contract is paying me, 300, paying $300 more than what you're paying me. Can you match it? No, man, goodbye, see you. Darius, I want to be mindful of our time. Is there anything else that you feel like you want to talk about or uh, any other important lessons you've learned that you feel like other people tuning in and listening to this podcast would benefit from hearing? FedEx is a great business if it's managed right. And when I say managed right, I mean your expectations. I mean, um, when Rick was first doing deals and selling stuff, I'd be at the table and selling our stuff and we'd have meetings. And I would just hear everybody say the same thing. Oh, I want this to be passive. I'm going to hire a manager. I'm going to grow this thing to 100 trucks. I got some life left in me. You know, I got access to capital. You know, everybody's a big shot with money, right? They get their runs, first breakdown, that shit goes out the window, man. You know what I mean? I thought this was passive. What do you mean I have a blowout? Driver quit. What do we do? Hire more. You know, so I think that managing your expectations and having some realistic expectations on profit margins and money and, and how you can control that, mainly keeping your hiring pool and your truck staffed, is probably the biggest uh, piece of advice to give to any potential FedEx contractor. That's great. I think that's a good place to sign off. Darius, I really appreciate you coming onto the podcast and lending us some of your time. I know that you're busy. You have three separate businesses that you're involved with. So I appreciate you being here with us. And it was good to, good to talk to you for a bit. Routing for Success is brought to you by AP Equipment Financing. In today's competitive market, it is essential to acquire the right trucks at a fair price and finance them in a way that makes sense for your business. Leveraging their extensive network of truck and van suppliers, the experts at AP Equipment Financing will help you locate the best deals on step vans, cutaways, panel vans, and more. Deliver them straight to your facility and finance them with low monthly installment options. Click the link in the description or visit APFinancing.com for more information. Routing for Success is an independent production of AP Equipment Financing and is in no way affiliated with or endorsed by FedEx Corporation, FedEx Ground, Amazon, or any other logistics company discussed herein. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Routing for Success.